Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome everyone to Conversations with Z and Vin and special guest Ed. And today we are talking about a ripple in time. And Z, this is interesting. It ties into the discussions we've had in the last few weeks. And the idea is that whatever you do in life has effects that go forward in time and in space in ways that we can't predict or understand. Uh, But if you treat people well, if you interact with common courtesy, if you look for opportunities to share your knowledge, to help people where you can, even though we don't know the exact impact of that, invariably it's going to benefit humanity and likely it will come back and benefit you personally. So we saw this when we were out in Tampa and we were there. We've talked about this in the last couple of podcasts. We were there for a funeral and we were around people that you had not seen literally in 30 years. But you were doing the same thing back then that you're doing today. You were into health, you were into fitness. You were sharing your ideas about health, your ideas about philosophy. Uh, you were, I wouldn't say that much older, but you know, probably 10 or 15 years older than most of the people. And at that time, it was a big difference. You were in your 30s. They were in their early 20s, so they looked up to you. You could guide them, mentor them. And you did this without any expectation of reward. Uh, this is just what you did. Uh, this is your thing. You go through life. You express your ideas. Uh, You enjoy that expression. You enjoy seeing the benefits. And the benefits were undeniable because, as we talked about, we had people coming up to you that hadn't seen you in 30 years with huge smiles on their face. It was obvious how much you had touched them, how much you had helped them in their lives. Uh, We had people who were children the last time they saw you, who were 5 years old, 10 years old, and whether it was the example that you set or was something you said to them in a moment, it was something that they never forgot. It stuck with them from the age of 5 or 10 to the age of 40 years old. Uh, so it crossed that time, and that was the ripple that we saw when we were down in Tampa. More generally, you've had this interesting philosophy, Z, of living off the land, meaning that you don't want to have enemies. You want to have this nice, fluid exchange of human commerce where you get along with people, you're kind to people, you help them out when you can, and you know what? When you're in need, uh, when everything is going to hell, uh, your hour comes where you need people to support you, you're going to have plenty of people who stand up and want to give something back. And in fact, we're seeing that right now. So as we're getting this Dharma Media Project up and running, uh, now that we've gotten some traction, we've got a lot of people who are part of the community who either have been there and have been waiting behind the scenes looking for a way to get involved, or maybe they've reconnected with you after years, but they're saying, how can we help? How can we do something together, build something together? And it's because of that goodwill that you've engendered over the years. So as we think about this ripple in time concept, to me it's very interesting because it's quite a contrast relative to how people normally interact. We're in this transactional world where people are expecting immediate benefits. So it's kind of like, okay, I do something for you. What am I going to get out of it? How much money am I going to make? What can you do for me right now in the moment? If you do that, it's a very limited view of interactions. Uh, It's going to shut down a lot of interactions. It's going to prevent any real kind of intimacy with other people. And most interestingly, it changes your viewpoint on life. So if you're always looking for how you can exploit people and get something from other people and tilt the scales in your favor, that's going to impact how they see you. You're going to go through this world. You're not going to build goodwill. You're going to have people who you've been mean to or hostile to, and you expect that they're going to act in the same way, given the chance. So you're planting these seeds of rancor and venom, and that makes the world a very scary place. You feel like there are enemies everywhere you look, like this is an unfriendly world. It's a world that's not going to support you. That has a huge impact on our health, on our outlook about life, just our day-to-day level of stress and anxiety. 
And as we're flushing out this topic, I'm reminded of Stalin. Uh, Stalin got to the point where he started killing every single person around him because he just didn't trust anyone. That was his approach to life. He had no one he could trust. Uh, the only way he could keep them in line was through fear. And he basically died a murderous individual, but also a very lonely and extremely paranoid person because he'd created this world around where anyone at any time might want to take him out. So obviously that's an extreme example. That's not how most of us live. But if you think about just the small interactions, are you thanking someone for their time? Are you stepping out of the way? Or are you pushing your way past other people? Are you screaming at the person who's getting your coffee or trying to help you, even though they really have nothing to do with whatever situation is causing you grief? That is going to have some impact on them. It's going to come back and have an impact on you. And it's also going to change your outlook towards life and your general level of health. So why don't we start, Z, if you could flush out this topic from your standpoint, share some of the philosophy you've had when you think about living off the land or you think about this ripple in time concept. What are your views about how we should go through this world and interact with other people? Well, I'll share just uh, my reality, uh, Vin, and and how uh, I observe life and how it's worked for me and what you've seen, how it's worked for you and how it's worked for our whole community. And I hope that that philosophy has a contagion about it. It, it. it spreads and people really understand the value of it. For one, there are physical benefits. There's actually measurable physical benefits such as your dopamine receptors, your serotonin uptake and so forth when you do something in your heart of heart feels like the right thing to do. It, it is the opposite of being stressed out. It, it, it relieves stress. And when you know you did that, it's because you're not doing it seeking a badge of merit or virtue signaling. You just do it. That doesn't mean that every time you see a, a, a person in distress that you run over there and, and interfere with their, their, their issues or that you, every person that, that you see you jump in their face and say, look, let me help, let me take this from you. No, just from your own heart to your own ability to your own capacity with your own boundaries and limits, you lighten the load of another person, you're actually unburdening yourself. And because you develop what is called self-esteem. Self-esteem. I did my part to spin this world in a good way. And in the quiet of your own heart and in the softest realm of your ego, you say, you know what, I did my best. And you don't have to look left or right or wonder about that. And over the years, I've learned this lesson over and over and over from different mentors observing their magnanimous heart, their open heartedness, and how I felt when they were in various situations. I had wonderful martial arts teachers as a child, and I felt honored to support him through different challenges that he had. I felt literally, I felt a, a weight lifted off my shoulders when my teacher had gone through a particular spinal cord surgery and needed to be shaved or helped to wash up or helped in his bed and out of his bed. And I thought about the weight of debt I had to that human being and that I had the good fortune to support him and him be able to show that what he did for me had great value. It did more, I think, for me than it could have ever done for him. And I look at other issues in life, like when you experienced our trip together. And the other night I was talking to the young lady, Ranice, the singer. She came by the house to drop uh, a sleuth off. And I saw her and Sue said, well, she, she went and picked me up uh, from downtown LA to bring to your house. I said, I'm not going to go to downtown LA to pick you up. I'll pay for your Uber or cab. He said, well, it's $70. I said, I would rather spend $70 and go to downtown LA. Downtown, to me, downtown LA, I might as well have to go to uh, Beirut in the 80s. So he calls this young lady up. You met Ranice, the singer. And she goes and picks him up. And I said, well, thank you for being here. She said, Z, 
thank you for letting me pick him up. We got to stop, have dinner. We talked all night and I got to see you at the end of the day. And I wanted to remind you again uh, how much you did for me when I was a little girl. And it, it, it was something that at the end of a stressful day, my blood pressure went down, my stress levels went down, and I just felt good. It was many people go home and they need a stiff drink or they need to do a line of Coke or something. I got that at the end of my day. And it set me off to a really, really wonderful end of, of my evening. And I, I, I felt something so beautiful. So I look at it from a health and wellness point of view. I also look at it from a life strategy point of view. If you study Sun Tzu, Art of War, or the Book of Five Rings, or any of these old books on military strategy, the Hakugiri, as we move through this world, we don't want to be looking over our shoulders. You don't want to meet people and imagine that I've done so much ill will to people that I'm assuming they're going to get revenge. So now I'm constantly on guard because I think people will get revenge for either my ill will or for the epigenerational ill will. I've treated these people so bad for so long, maybe they'll get revenge. I don't, I, I don't have to think about it. Imagine the weight on your shoulders to walk around with anxiety, thinking that you have to be ready for the worst of things all the time. Yes. Challenging things happen in life. Accidents happen. There are um, foul players out there, but they're not in the multitudes. The average person is simply trying to get on with their life. The average one of us. And when we relieve ourselves of the burden of rage, the burden of contempt, the sense that I need to be rude or angry towards someone, that benefits your health. It lowers your cortisol levels. It manages your endocrine function. Diseases are less likely to visit upon you because you have a, a, a healthy immune system. You don't age as fast. So there are really basic benefits you get from this idea of paying it forward. And as we call this the ripples in time, the ripples, each of those ripples, when you drop that pebble of self into time, is that a positive pebble or is it a negative pebble? Because it will create a consequence that is far reaching and far beyond what you could imagine. I have relationships with people that were honed over years of sacrifice. In recent time, you've heard Caitlin's story. She came here uh, with bread as in exchange. Um, her goodwill, our goodwill of exchange, now she is um, a principal in our media company development. Just exchange of goodwill. What did I say? She showed up. She did her best to pay her way. And when she couldn't pay her way, she offered service. That's better than her paying me month to month and just walking away. We have so many examples of that in the positive ripples in time. I think about why I'm here. There was a dying teacher. The dying teacher compelled me through a promise I made to him to offer myself open-heartedly to others. People have benefited from that dying teacher who never met him, who never knew him. I benefited in ways from him that I never imagined. I met almost all of you because of the work I'm doing that he asked me to do. All of you I met because of a man long dead that you never knew. He asked me a simple thing. Do what you've done for me to, with an open heart. Do it for others. And in doing that, I created these wellness centers. I started working in this complementary integrative health field. I started teaching all manners of people. Before that, I was content alone doing my own research, my own studies, working corporate, um, being more or less of a pseudo-hermit and not really that fond of the public. Um, I'm still kind of like that, but because I held on to that promise, it opened my heart and invited all of these people, that many that you have met every day, uh, the folks here at the desk meet people that come by 
and they've been gone for 10 years, 20 years, 15 years, whatever it is, they say, hey, I'm doing the work elsewhere. I have clients, students, uh, people who benefited from this work all over the world that have started their own ripples of goodwill towards their fellow human being. It has transcended the boundaries of borders, the artificial borders of humanity. It's transcended languages. It's, it's transcended the Mao narrative of race and ethnicity. It's transcended religion. Some years ago, I had students in my class from Israel and Palestine who met in my class and ended up getting married. And neither one of them could go home because of the, the uh, sheer level of chaos in their homeland. So they made a home here for themselves that was peaceful and loving. So this is what we do. These are the ripples in time. Just to hear those stories is soothing. And what we want in medicine is to be soothed. Disease means not at ease. Thus, the opposite of disease is at ease. I think of a lot of people. I don't interfere with them, but I'm always considering the people in my life. Just like a person in finance is always considering the movement of the stock market. A person who is involved in a cattle ranch is always considering the movement of the cattle. I'm always considering the movement of the people in my life and in my world, those in near orbit and far orbit. And at different times, I visit those orbits to check on and support the harmony of that, those ripples in time and space. Today we're sitting here and my good friend Ed is here. Ed Dellis is an amazing videographer, photographer, uh, he's a craftsman, he has a lot of interesting uh, skills and talents and um, he's working now with Caitlin to help deliver a quality product to our audience. I think Caitlin is learning something from Ed, it's been a good experience on huh, Caitlin? Yes. And. Um, uh, it's, uh, we have an interesting story. Uh, I'm racing my car through the canyons, and I had my 32-year-old son now. He was not quite 10 years old at the time, so that puts Ed and I at about 20 years, I guess, 20-plus years of knowing each other. And I see this. Uh, my son tells me there's a car coming up on us in the side view mirror. You can see it. And so I said, I'm going to outrun this car because I used to like to race the cars through the canyon. And I'm uh, speed up a little bit. Usually I can shake everyone off. Uh, as you know, I have a hobby of building cars that are ridiculously fast and powerful, but they look like Tom Slick's Thunderbolt Grease Slapper. They're not pretty to look at. It gave me a bumper sticker or, or a license plate frame that said crude yet highly effective. That kind of goes with my life. So I'm racing my car through the canyon. This car keep, I looked in the rear view, the car's closing in, it's closing in on me. I said, okay, let me give it a little more speed, as much speed as I can give it with a little kid in a, in a booster seat next to me. And uh, at the time, maybe a little, pushing a little, I knew the car really well. So I didn't feel like I was putting my kid at risk, uh, but it's fun, hey, you know, dad and his son together, anything could happen. So we're pushing it through the canyons. I know the curves like the back of my hand, I can do it at pitch black or broad daylight. Notice this little car is coming up on me coming up on me. I said, I know a hairpin turn that I can lose him on. Nobody can beat me through the hairpin. He's going to wipe out if he chases me through there. I make the hairpin turn. I look. I notice the car is skidding out right behind me. It makes basically it turns 180 degrees. It throws the car in reverse going in the same direction. Looks at me while I'm driving and says, great driving, great car. And then he snatches it back around and tucks right in behind me right before a carload of kids in a minivan coming the opposite way. And he smiles and I pull over. I say, I got to know this guy. I got to get to know this guy. And I got to know Ed and um, we became friends. We stayed in touch, not over the car stuff, but life stuff. Uh, Ed had a, a misfortune visit upon him. He had a horrific uh, uh, accident. Ed can tell you about that. And uh, he came to me. They had released him way too soon for the hospital insurance and cut him loose. So he had some issues with his brain. His head, he was clinically dead, I guess, for a little 38 bit. 38 minutes to for, an hour. For 38 minutes to an hour. And he came to me, and he was in real bad shape. And we did all of our integrative health work, everything from acupuncture to diet, nutrition, things like that, to get his brain back and functioning. And Ed's been on a steady uh, walk back to getting himself together. He's had some ups and downs like all of us. And so I thought about him 
when we needed a really good videographer, a really good set of eyes on the visual part of the product we're going to be offering people. And there's no way under any circumstances we could afford Ed hour for hour, except that Ed is a good friend and he's in a season in his life where it's mutually beneficial for him to be here. So Ed can tell a little bit of his own story about his relationship with us and uh, and then uh, we'll continue to talk about ripples in time. Boy, I'll tell you, uh, when, when Z mentioned uh, I had that little bump in the road there, uh, basically I woke up out of a coma weeks later not knowing what had happened. And it was basically a brain injury uh, where the, when I called to thank everybody, they said, you didn't have any rhythm for 38 minutes to an hour. And I said, well, what does being a white guy have to do with it? <laughs> and she laughed and she said, no, rhythm is the electrical signal between the heart and the brain in order for life to be sustained. I said, oh, okay. So anyway, um, I was punch drunk is probably the best term. And Z, I think you remember seeing me, I wasn't really making a whole lot of sense. And I knew that you were into a different type of holistic health and everything. And so since the uh, Western medicine did their job to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, at least from a bone standpoint, I came to you and I noticed that you had taken the time necessary first to understand what I was going through. It wasn't just a quick you know, cast off, or this is what you got to do. You really took your time with me. I'm going to say maybe two or three days before we started getting down to it. And I remember that every time I left here, I felt better about coming. And now, you know, I, in fact, when I went back to the doctors for the follow-up visits every two or three weeks, I had the one doctor after doing all the tests come back to me and say, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean, what are you doing? He goes, what are you doing? We've never seen anybody heal like this before. That's right. That's right. And then I said, well, you're not going to agree with this. And he got out his paper and pencil and he started taking notes. And Z, that's when I told him about your work. Yeah. So that that I'm very, very grateful for. And uh, I'm grateful for you, Ed. I never forget people. Um, you gave me some lessons. Ed also teaches how to drive, pursuit driving, race car driving. And um, I look at things existentially. So when he was explaining to me things about driving a car, we, I would go down and see him. He had that Ram pickup truck. And we would just talk. And he would explain to me driving lines and tire feel, just in casual conversations as we would go over to the tea bar. We should like to go to the Vietnamese tea bar because the teas are great and the women are stunning that are serving the teas. So we would just go there and have tea and be in this unbelievable, beautiful environment and talk cars, talk life, talk social things. And he would explain things about the way a car works. And I'm always able to connect things to the broader universe. And so we were riding an Edge truck one day and he was going so fast, he was doing about 80 in a 30 mile an hour turn in the truck somewhere on the 22 or something, you were getting on the 22. And I was clutching the seat in this truck. And Ed said, yeah, I think I need to change my left rear tire. I'm getting a little bit more slide than normal. And I looked at the tire and yes, sure enough, he needed to change. I said, how in the hell did you feel that? You're in a pickup truck out running any sports car on the road with his driving skill. And I thought about that requires sensitivity. That requires a certain level of empathy. You hear what I say? Empathy. I related that to empathy. Can you feel the feedback that this machine is giving you? You are controlling the machine, but it is bound by physics and gravity and wear and tear and thermal shear and so forth. And he could feel that. That's an empathetic person. But he also exemplifies that in his life, in the people that he interacts with, the people that he's befriended. And I've always valued that about Ed. And I've also, I have that maternal part of me, as Caitlin explained, she's read something about my astrology or something like that. So I tend to be mothering towards people. So I worry about people. Um, 
And I've learned to check that a little bit because I know that I don't want to interfere with people's own process. But I want all the people in my world to do well. And I was reminded of that when we talk about the ripple in time from the singer. And she would tell me things that touched my heart in such a way. She said, I knew when we are kids travel with you far away from home around all kinds of predators. She said, Z, I knew you would die for us and you would kill for us. And since then, I've set that as a standard for anyone who I let into my life. And I never tried to do that, but I knew that if I dropped that pebble of positivity in time, that it would be a better path in life for me. And I've tried to share that with others, that it's always not always the upfront cost that you want to look at. It's not always the bottom line in life. It's not always, I did this for you and you do that for me. Sometimes it's the sweetest little thing that at the right moment can change the world. It can change your whole world. And Caitlin, you've witnessed that right here. We, I don't know how much faster people can grow close to one another. True friendships, which are truly lacking in this world. Vin, you know we've really pushed this idea of opting out. The more I read the news or look at politics, the more that you know we want to abandon that. Because most of the news media is about confirming your false view of something. And I want people to understand that there is another way to be, that it isn't left versus right, white versus black, male versus female, America versus China. It's none of that. It's you inside yourself and what you did that day. I was talking to Ed about some old military pictures and I was in a combat zone and I have a picture of me in a combat zone. But you will never see me waving a flag or putting on a bumper sticker or challenging someone's idea of patriotism or trying to define what that means. I'll never accept the idea somebody says, thank you for your service. You know, I just did what I did because I thought it was the right thing to do. And that's enough for me. And if in doing that, it makes me who I am, then okay. But if I have to wave a flag of virtue or seek the approval of others or belittle another person to make myself feel good, then that's a negative ripple on time. Imagine having to make someone else feel bad so you can feel good. Imagine being abundant, wealthy, and healthy, but everybody around you is sick and impoverished. What good is that? What, what, what exchange is that? What reciprocity is that? It's like an engine that's out of balance. It, you, you can't really get much trust out of it. It'll, it'll give out sooner than later. So all of us have a role in that ripple in time. When you drop your pebble into the pond of eternity, what is that pebble? What is the message you want to resonate out far and beyond you? Think of my great teacher who on his deathbed said, Z, do what you do with an open heart. Do what you can to mitigate human suffering and go about. Bye. I'm gone. I got a date with eternity. I'll see you when you get there. And I said, okay. And I met all of you. And you met all of them. And they met all of us. And we're pretty cool. We're pretty cool. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, Z. First of all, that's a cool story about the driving. <laughs> Something I haven't heard before, uh, but uh, very interesting the way you met Ed. I'll say this, that one of the things I enjoy most about our philosophy, it's extremely practical. And a lot of times people talk about life and how you should live in moral terms or religious terms. 
of like you do something so that you can go to heaven or you can be reincarnated as something better, whatever the hell it is. Or maybe it's just the right thing to do, or this is just how we do, or if everyone did acted differently, if everyone treated everyone like crap, society would fall apart. Okay, that's fine. But that doesn't answer for me why I should behave a certain way. And what I've come to appreciate about this philosophy, whether we want to call it the ripple in time or living off the land or being open-hearted, which to me feels synonymous, it's got immediate benefits. It's got longer-term benefits as well. So some of the things that we plant in life come back to us in ways that we can never expect. We create goodwill. We create opportunities. We create options for ourselves to move through this life in very interesting ways when we're open-hearted and we treat people with a certain amount of respect and when we honor their humanity. So there is this long-term benefit But even if you discount the long term, I would argue there's an immediate benefit as well. And it's some of the things that you've alluded to, the effect that it has on your stress levels. Uh, We were talking about this earlier before the podcast about how people step into Dharma and immediately their blood pressure goes down because it's a calming environment. It's a soothing environment. It's not an environment of pretense or drama or where you have to prove yourself or be something you're not. So it's like a relief. It's a sanctuary being around people who are of that mindset, uh, who are willing to invest in relationships and open up, unveil a certain amount of intimacy, strip away the various facades that we carry around when we want to project ourselves to the world. So there's something in my mind that's very powerful about it. I think about how I interact with my family. With my kids, it's probably the purest expression. I mean, anyone who's a parent, I'm sure, has had this experience. You come home and you've got these little people who are just jumping up and down and are so excited to see you. And it's immediately uplifting. And the energy that you have builds and you're much more expressive both physically, emotionally, everything. You you might just start dancing. You might sing. You could do anything. It's recharging. It's restorative. It's so different from standard interactions in the world, which range from empty slash meaningless on the one hand to completely draining, uh, where people are hanging on to you like vampires and want to extract what they can or take your time or energy or unload their drama onto you. If you push that away and you're in an environment where you can express yourself freely and naturally bond with the people around you, do so without pretense, it's freeing. It's uplifting. Uh, You come away just feeling alive. And for me, that's ultimately the test of my life. Do I feel alive? Do I feel like I'm present in this moment? And if I am, then great. I want to feel much more of that. I want to increase the things that give me that sense of vitality. And being open-hearted, you know, even though I've seen it with my children, and you could argue it's an obvious thing to do, for me it hasn't been that obvious. If I think about myself personally, maybe I've been trained in a different way or maybe I just picked up a different style. I mean, part of it is culture. The uh, environment that I grew up in, there were a lot of things that we just didn't talk about. Uh, maybe part of it is the sense that you got to please other people. So instead of being intimate, you're trying to figure out what you can say to them, which again is a form of extraction. Like if I do this, if I want something in exchange, if I want their approval, what do I have to do to get it? Uh, Maybe part of it is my business training, where everything really is a transaction. And you look at our economic system, it's entirely based on on money. And it reduces everything to GDP or quarterly profits without any consideration of the factors that make us feel alive. Economics has no place for that. In economics, the basic theory is the more you have, the better off you are. Regardless of whether you're anxious, you're stressed, you, you feel 
empty and denuded, it, it doesn't matter. You have more, you're better off. And that's how the system has evolved. So there's a certain amount of conditioning that I've had that I've had to break out of. And what I found, which has been most interesting when I've spent time with you, and then I've taken some of what I observe with you and I apply that in other parts of my life, this idea of being open-hearted, that's actually my natural state. That's what I want to be. It's like that's what I'm craving to be. I want to connect with people. I, I want to be open. I, I want to uh, just listen to them, uh, see what they're interested in, share my own experiences, my knowledge. If they're people who are younger than I am, I, I can help mentor them, guide them. Uh, maybe people who are older, I can inspire them. They can mentor me, uh, wh- whatever it is. Or we can just share a moment, share stories. But when I've got that connection with people and uh, I'm more naked in terms of how I deal with humanity and I can say what's on my mind, I, I can say I love you, I can call people brother or sister and mean it, I can invite them to spend time with me and with my family without worrying about whether it's socially the right thing to do, it's transformative. I I just feel so much better. And you kind of realize, or at least I realize, how much of life is spent thinking about some future reward. We're scurrying around, and yes, we've got this project, Dharma Media, and yes, I hope that works out, and we've got the music project, and I hope that works out. But that can't be what we live for because there's always something in the future. I mean, there's always some carrot that never materializes. Life is what goes on in the moment. And to connect to life, it means that we need a certain level of intimacy. Uh, We need that open-heartedness. And those ripples in time, once you have that, if you open yourselves to other people, if you show a certain amount of respect for someone else's humanity show a certain amount of courtesy, Uh, yes, that comes to benefit you in the future, but it's got that immediate relief as well. You know, it's like you've gone through this desert that's our society where you're just parched, you're longing for something, you don't know what it is, you get to a pool of water and you drink, and it's like, oh my God, I I just feel such incredible relief. I I didn't even know that this is what I was missing. So as I'm talking, Z, you know, I'm kind of wondering what you've seen. Because you know my story and my perspective, and not everyone's like me. I mean, some people maybe don't have the same conditioning. Maybe they've been able to override it. But if I think about myself, it's been a process just to get past social convention to get to that point where you deal people, you deal with people on a non-transactional level. What is your perspective? I mean, is this a problem that you see people run into, or what advice would you have? If you've been brought up to act a certain way and you want to change the way that that you interact with people? I would say right away, Vin, would I say that think about that idea of the transaction and accept that. All human relationships are based on mutual benefit. And this is what is said in the Vedas. But the benefit could be very different than what you think. It is you who limit what benefit means. I found that in the difficulties of my life, I was raised and faced numerous hardships, catastrophic losses, death, suffering, that would rob most people of of their humanity and the texture of love. It didn't do that to me because the commerce, the coins, the rupees of kindness that I have received from others and put out there benefited me in a way far beyond whatever I have lost. That human commerce, those bits of love, On my worst days, when the hauntings or the echoes of trauma visit upon me, those echoes are drowned out by just everyday people. We were going through pictures of my past 
uh, Ed and Caitlin had a bunch of pictures. And I saw a picture of my student Kimmy and I doing uh, Tai Chi together. Kimmy had a smile on her face. Right, Caitlin? There was a smile on her face. And I, I guess that picture might be 10, 20 years old. That it was like yesterday. It was like today. Then I thought about the last time I heard the voice of little Gracie, her daughter, on the phone. And I had had a rough day, and I heard Gracie's giggle. And I couldn't have paid enough at a hospital to give me the injection that would have made me feel like hearing that little girl laugh. And I've been seeing her face. I keep a picture of Gracie on my refrigerator. I keep a, there's probably a picture in one of my cars. And people sometimes ask, who's this little girl? I say, that's my Gracie. You know how people sometimes hang a picture of uh, the Holy Mother or the Trinity or somebody on a cross? I got my Gracie and I have other things like that that just soften your heart. In a hard-hearted, barren world, in the desert of human decency that we live in every day, I have that. So that is the benefit. That is the commerce. That is the exchange. And I hope that they get something out of me. But it may never be as much as I get out of them. I'm telling you. Right, Caitlin? You look at that picture. And it took me to a place. It was like having a beer bond. It was like having a banknote. So, yes, there is benefit that we look at, the exchange, the benefit, the commerce, the transaction. The transaction I have with Ed. It's a simple place that I heard that this very good man was having a challenging moment in his life. And if I could exploit that challenging moment by lifting up some weight off of his shoulder and he could build up our project, that's an exchange. That's an exchange. If Caitlin can go from loaves of bread to being my right hand, I got the best out of the deal. I benefited the most. If you then travel with me as my baby brother, as my nephew, and buffered me in a moment of extreme grief. Yes, Shock was crazy, he was all that, but you know what? Shock was my friend. My friend is dead. And you were there to give me cover in a moment of grief. Could I have hired someone to do that? Could I have swiped a credit card for that? Maybe so, I don't know. But I didn't. You just said to me, hey, I'll go along with you. And I was hurting. And you made it easy. And I've hurt before. I can take pain. I can take a lot of pain more than most people could ever imagine, but it's still pain. And your company relieved that. You stood me with people that love me and you affirmed their words. They echoed. I was soothed. So what is the transaction? It is the transaction of the human heart. You might can buy it. You might can trade it. Maybe you can barter it. Everybody's going to tell you that only thing. I just chose to go through the door first, support the things that support me, be open-hearted, and it's benefited me at a reasonable cost. You follow me?
Yeah, it's a different perspective than what I've been exposed to most of my life. It's the correct perspective in my mind. If I think about the trip, it's funny how we both feel like we benefited more than the other. Uh, So you talk about your relationship with Caitlin or the time that I spent with you. If you ask Caitlin, I'm sure she would say that she's gotten a tremendous amount out of being involved with Dharma. If you ask me about the trip, it was just so cool to, to see you there in that element, to hear what other people had to say about you, to meet people who've been in this industry that I'm trying to get into for 40 years, who've been in the industry for 40 years, to even share a moment of grief. I mean, even though I didn't know shock, it it was extremely emotional uh, seeing his brother, his mother, you, uh, the people around, torn up. I, I started tearing up. It was it was painful. I mean, even I felt some of that pain, but you feel some of the the beauty as well. Just the the ebb and flow of human life. Uh, the, the recognition that that we've got each other. Uh, we've got we're still here. Our heart still beats. We still have time. And yes, we we can we can grieve for the loss, and we can be grateful that we're still moving on. I don't know. I mean, maybe I asked you the wrong question because in some ways what I'm asking is so natural. I, I think that we are a social set of creatures. We need each other. And the research is there. It's not just the stuff we're talking about. You look at scientific research done on happiness, done on depression. Uh, depression comes from loneliness when you feel isolated when you don't have connections the people who report being happier are the ones who have meaningful relationships who can share this crazy life experience together so i don't know what it is i mean maybe it is as simple as just getting back to this natural state maybe allowing yourself to feel that visceral connection to each other that so often we brush aside And maybe the reasons aren't important. Uh, We've talked about the challenges we face in society, whether it's people's attention span because we're looking at devices all the time, whether it's just the narratives around more, whether it's the way we see people treating other people and it becomes transactional in a very dollars and cents sort of way, whether it's things that are socially acceptable and maybe it's not acceptable to cry or to show too much emotion. I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, maybe the layers and the filters, the reason that we have these in place isn't important. Maybe the important thing is we recognize they exist and we recognize that beneath all that there's something deeper. I mean, there's a more urgent need that we have to I guess I'm uh, I'm struggling for words. Yeah, I mean it's because uh, it's so simple. You know, I don't want to sound cliched, but it, we, we need each other. Yeah, that, that's the bottom line, and the life becomes more colorful, more interesting, more fluid if we're treating people as extensions of ourselves, even if they're not family or friends. Give them the benefit of the doubt. There's a very interesting uh, body of research around successful negotiation strategies. Uh, like if you're playing, or, or I don't know if negotiation is the right word, but h- how do you interact with people? What are the rules of the game if you have to interact with people over long periods of time? So, for example, do you try and exploit the situation and do you try and screw them whenever you can? Or are you the one who's always going to provide the benefit of the doubt? And if you run a bunch of simulations using different types of strategies, what you find is that tit for tat is one of the best strategies which is start by giving people the benefit of the doubt, but then also treat them the way that they treat you. And if someone shows some respect, they show some kindness, give that back. And that's a very stable basis for a relationship, but it's also going to help you manipulate your environment because it's going to surround you. I guess it's going to filter out the people who don't behave that way, who are looking to exploit. 
So even if I guess you can look at the science from multiple angles. So whether it's research around uh, depression, around happiness, uh, whether it's research around successful life strategies, a lot of it comes back to things that are so simple and so innate around being open-hearted, being kind, being courteous, being empathetic, being able to step back from this feral state that we're in. That's another obstacle that we have. There's so much anxiety going around. And when we're in that anxious state, we're like this little wounded animal that's fighting for its life that has no concern about anyone else. It's just concerned about its own survival. So, of course, that changes the way that we interact with other people. What I'm building to Z is practically what, what do we do about this? I mean, how do we get to those ripples in time which are beneficial, which benefit us both now and in the future? And it, maybe anxiety management is a theme that we've talked about in the past and it comes back into the forefront in this discussion. We need a calm state of mind. Run with this, though. What in your mind, what practical advice can we give people so that they can create those positive ripples in time? And wrapping it up, Ben, I would say as simple as this. Be your own best co-signer for the credit you're looking for from those in your life. Represent yourself well and reflect that representation on how you interact with people in your life, the world, be it someone close to you or far away, be it a stranger or be it a familiar. What credit rating do you want in this life? What ripple in time do you set forth that will rebound countless times over, creating a, an a, a infinite rhythm based on what you've set forth? You decide. It's your choice. That's it. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Let's create those positive ripples in time. And if I ever see anyone on the highway who's reversing past me and waving to me, I'm going to do what you did, Z. I'm going to track them down, make sure I get to know them. <laughs> Ed, I hope we get to meet at some point. Uh, you sound like uh, a fascinating person. But thanks, everyone. Until next time. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.